0: Today on 2C Vans.
1: Our focus is on land-based systems, and in those land-based systems, we are cleaning up and reusing the water. So when we say the term sustainable, we're talking about in terms of water reuse. So we,
0: It's a closed-loop system, basically. It is, so.
1: yes. Especially the saltwater production work that we're doing, 100% of the water is going to be cycled filtered, and reused in our production systems.
2: Hello and welcome to 2C Fans at Moat Marine Laboratory, your podcast for marine science and education here at Moat. I'm Haley Redger. And
0: I'm Joe Nicholson.
2: And we are here with a wonderful guest, uh, Dr. Kevin Main. Can you tell us uh, what your title is and and what's your role here at Moat?
1: Um, I'm the director of the Moat Aquaculture Research Park, which is one of our uh, research field stations at Moat Marine Laboratory, and I'm also the program manager for the Marine and Freshwater Aquaculture Research Program.
2: Very cool. And uh, Joe and I are familiar with Moat Aquaculture Research Park, but um, where is it? Uh, is it near us?
1: It's Here? out east, right? It is. It's um, 25 miles away from Moat Marine Laboratory, out uh, east on Fruitville Road. We uh, try not to let out our secret about where we're located. We no keep a really small address. presence. Yes,
0: It's our covert facility.
1: Exactly. Because yeah. we're not actually open to the public, but that doesn't mean that people don't come and visit us all the time.
2: Right. It's primarily research, and you guys do a lot of it. And before we move on, I wanted to say that um, one of your other recent titles has been president and past president of the world, Aquaculture Society.
0: Yes. What a That's a great honor.
1: Well, it is a great honor, and I've been involved with the World Aquaculture Society now for close to 30 years, and it's a great organization because it has a presence all over the globe and is uh, a great way for scientists in the field of aquaculture to be able to connect to their colleagues in other parts of the globe and learn from them and share their uh, research findings. Weren't
0: you also involved with the USDA Aquaculture Weren't you a regional aquaculture center director or something?
1: Yes, I was. I actually started my career in aquaculture out in Hawaii. And I, uh, soon after I got there, was involved in the development and initial startup of the regional aquaculture centers for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. They started back in the mid-1980s. Wow! And so I was the first director of the center that was um, provided support to Hawaii and the American-affiliated Pacific Islands. It's called the Center for Tropical and Subtropical Aquaculture. Oh,
0: very cool. But before Hawaii, where...
2: Wait, 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 Joe. Wait, what... Let's ask her, what is aquaculture? Let's pretend that we don't know anything at all about what aquaculture is.
1: Well, usually when I say aquaculture, to somebody in the general public, they they think I've said the word agriculture, because they haven't quite connected (laughs) to that term, Uh and so I usually say, no, not agriculture, it's aquaculture, so it's just like agriculture, but in water. So whenever you are farming either plants or animals in water, then it is called aquaculture.
0: but where does Kevin Mean originally hail from was where I was going with their hails.
1: <laughs> well, I you know, I, I uh, grew up in Southern California. That's where I... I did not know that. Um, I started my uh, venture into marine science. And I went to California State University at Northridge. I got my undergraduate and my master's there. Oh, really? And then I traveled to Florida because I... Whoa did my PhD at Florida State University. So I lived in Florida uh, for about five years and then headed off to Hawaii after that.
0: Is that where you met your hubby?
1: In At Florida State University, yes. We did our uh, PhDs together. Dr. Ken Lieber, my husband, who's also director of fisheries research here at Moat, um, and I met there, and we have worked together uh, throughout our careers at different marine labs around the world.
0: And you're still happily together, I've noticed.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, we've managed that. It's 34 somehow, years we've been married. Congratulations, so. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, that's very, very, very cool
2: power couple and fish and aquaculture research right don't so mess with the <laughs>
0: with them. so um
2: so joe asked you where you hail from but where does aquaculture as a practice hail from how did it get started and what forms have we seen it take over time i well,
0: believe it was the ancient greeks began uh, aquaculture no, all
1: no, all no. That. no 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 <laughs> no just think of where they eat a lot of seafood Ah, japan Close, a- close. is You're it getting China? It, it is China. China. Uh, a little over 4,000 years ago, aquaculture was started in China, and they were uh, putting fish into ponds. They started off with carp, the freshwater carps, and they would keep them in ponds in their backyard, and they'd grow them for food. Then, at that time, there were family ponds, and eventually that grew into uh, village ponds, and from there it just grew and grew. So oh. it started in China. Is that, is I had that had sort no of idea. the,
2: is it the epicenter today still, or is it more spread than that?
1: Um, it is certainly spread all over the world, but the largest production in the world occurs in China. About 80% of aquaculture production is located in China or in the um, Indo-Pacific region down in uh, Southeast Asia.
0: What are some of the common aquaculture-produced seafood items in that you know us here in the U.S. would eat?
1: Well, some of the most common things that we eat in seafood restaurants are produced in aquaculture. For example, example salmon. Uh, salmon is on just about every restaurant menu that you go to, and you uh, and I would say probably ninety percent of the product is coming from aquaculture, if not a hundred percent. Um, on your standard restaurant menus. The other product that we consume the largest quantities of uh, here in the U.S. of seafood is shrimp. And about 80% of the shrimp that's consumed in the United States is aquacultured. And then number three, tilapia. Tilapia is number three. So those top three, you'll find them on just about every standard restaurant menu um, around the U.S., and those products are coming from aquaculture.
0: Now, you mentioned salmon. Now, I've always heard, or I, not always, but I have heard that um, you're supposed to eat the wild-caught salmon, not the farm-raised salmon. Is that true? Or
1: Well, in my opinion, farm-raised salmon is an excellent product and really good for you. And what happens is that there's been a, a conflict between fisheries and aquaculture, Um, when really we should be working closely together. And so that conflict has caused people to uh, raise red flags about farm-raised seafood to try to keep the market up for wild-caught product. But farm-raised product is an excellent product, and it's certainly just as healthy for you as wild-caught salmon. And it's
0: sustainable.
1: Which it can be the the, the the farm raised the farm raised it can be it can it be it can be uh, it is not um, you know not all of the areas where it's grown in are using what we would term sustainable practices and that's such a difficult term because it, is, it really yeah. it really depends on what we're going to define it in terms of you know sustainable we can talk about sustainable living and you know we're yeah. talking about a whole different thing
0: it seems like people will adapt that term to you know fit their their niche
2: Right. So here, um, we know that, I know that Kevin and her team are working towards sustainable technologies for aquaculture. So what does it mean to you guys when you use that word? What technologies and methods are you pursuing?
1: Okay, well, the work that we're doing at Moat is focused on developing land-based, recirculating aquaculture technologies. And that's a mouthful. But what I'm saying is that we're, we are not trying to farm in the ocean, not saying that Farming in the ocean is bad, but our focus is on land-based systems. And in those land-based systems, we are cleaning up and reusing the water. So when we say the term sustainable, we're talking about in terms of water reuse. So we,
0: It's a closed-loop system, basically. It is, uh-huh.
1: yes. Especially the saltwater production work that we're doing, 100% of the water is going to be cycled, filtered and reused in our production systems. And that is not the practice in commercial aquaculture today, but it is the future. And we're heading in that direction uh, worldwide in terms of starting to realize that we've got to clean up and reuse resources, just like we recycle every day when we put our um, trash out into the bins out in the garage. So
0: how are you able to, to achieve this closed-loot system with um, what you're doing out there?
1: We have a, a whole series of filters that the water goes through. And so, you know, I, I teach a class in marine aquaculture, and in there I tell, I tell people it's the five fingers of aquaculture um, recirculation. And so there's five principles you have to first get solids out of the water, then you've got to filter the uh, nutrients or, or waste that's in the water itself, you've got to sterilize it, you've got to get rid of carbon dioxide, and you've got to add oxygen. So five steps, and we have those five steps present in each one of our uh, farming systems.
2: So what kind of, um, of fish have you worked with, and what kind of plants? Um, what have been some of your favorite projects to work on over the years?
1: Well, uh, you know, I've worked on aquaculture a long time. So uh, I think uh, think back to when I was in the Pacific Islands and I was working on giant clam farming out on a remote Pacific Island where they had no electricity. And I, that oh, was man. just one of the neatest experiences I had where I went out to this island and they had all the farming was taking place in the production of the babies on land, and then the big animals were out in the ocean, and we'd bring in these giant, giant clams. clams. Yeah. You wow. know, they were like, uh, huge, uh, five feet in diameter. Bring them in, spawn them, and then put them back into the ocean. So that was a really cool <laughs> project cool. to work on.
0: That would be a really like life experience there. Yes, yeah. it
1: certainly was. And then you know, then I worked for many years on shrimp technologies because shrimp farming is kind of where I I really uh, got started in the field of aquaculture. Yeah. I worked on shrimp for my Ph.D., not in aquaculture. Did you but do I that here the, in, no. in the States? Uh, well, I worked on um, uh, shrimp in ecosystems here in in Florida, up in the Panhandle. But in Hawaii, I was working on shrimp farming in ponds. Oh, and wow. so uh, I worked on shrimp for a number of years, learned a lot about how to understand what was going on in aquaculture systems and then I quickly moved on to fish and I have been working on fish ever since and so I've worked on everything from ornamental fish production for the aquarium trade things like clownfish and um, gobies and and species like that to now the food fishes. And that has been my focus, I'd say, for the last 20 years is food fish production. And it's so important for us to do this. And so I keep searching for the right model, the right species, what's gonna make things kick for us here in the US, how are we gonna get off of the just talking about doing it to really doing it. And so the two species that I've targeted in the last few years are redfish, which I think is an excellent product for aquaculture. It's a really hardy fish yeah. and people know it. They love oh, to yeah, eat. Oh yeah,
0: love to eat reds. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah, love to eat reds and you can't commercially fish them. So, you know, here's a really great product we could produce. Yeah, And then My favorite eating fish that I've been working on for the last, uh, let's see, I came to Moat in 2001. We started working on it then.
0: You came to us from Harbor Branch. I did. I did. I worked over at
1: Harbor Branch for uh, almost five years. And I learned a lot there about recirculating technologies. And then I came over here to Moat. and. Pompano was the species that. Oh we yes, started I working.
0: diverged to Yes, pompano is delicious as yes. well. There's,
1: yes, those little
2: right. silvery, fast-moving, fork-tailed yeah. fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you've never seen and uh, fast and
0: tasty. And that's the, right.
2: And the redfish, you may also hear about them as red drum. They're those uh, sort of golden-looking, uh, slower-moving fish with a black spot, spot on their tail. Tails. Yeah. Yep. All our mm-hmm. fishers will, will recognize those guys. So
0: you know, everybody must think it's uh, how hard can it be? You you raise some fish in a. In In a tank and you know pull them out and you sell them right you know it's got to be that
1: easy (laughs) it definitely isn't that easy and it depends on what you're trying to raise so redfish is one of the easier fish but i wouldn't say it's quite that easy
0: so i can't just like throw some in a tank and give them some food every once in a while and go hey
1: who wants a redfish no no first you've got you know sort of the beginning is making the babies so you've got to uh figure out how to get those fish to reproduce and that mature.
0: would be you know lowering the lights playing some berry white
1: you got to okay <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> figuring out the right cues for fish and you know my joke usually when i'm taking people on a A tour through the facility is that we do this, this, and this, and then we turn the music on. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) And usually we joke whenever it's a spawning day with the staff about the fact that be sure to you know turn on the music. Turn on the music, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have to do that, and then you've got these little fertilized eggs that you have to take care of, clean, move into the uh, hatching system. Then you've got to raise for marine fishes live food. Oh. So you don't just have the fish, you got the fish. So now and i got to the raise food. their food? You do, and you have to raise the food
0: now this for is, the no. food. No, no, see, this <laughs> it is. It goes on is, and on. <laughs> yeah, Kevin, this is becoming far too difficult for me to do. I'm glad you're doing it.
1: <laughs> well, we need to be doing it, and I am really uh, concerned about the fact that we are not producing nearly any marine food fish here in the US. And we have an opportunity now to really step up and move forward. And the reason is because there's less and less wild fish available. There's just their fisheries is tapped at the maximum sustainable yield. We cannot fish more than we fish today, but people are eating more and more fish every day. So where is that fish going to come from? It's going to come from aquaculture.
2: So I've heard the phrase trade deficit before, referring to uh, seafood in this country. Uh, can you tell us about the consumption versus you know where we get seafood, that kind of thing?
1: Well, that's one of the most scary issues that we have. We have a $14 billion seafood trade deficit. Wow. That is second only to oil in terms of the. Are you kidding? Uh, in terms of the imports that are coming in, that's right. That's huge. It is, and we talk all the time about concerns about where is our oil coming from? Well, where is our seafood coming from? Where's our fish coming from? Exactly. And in here in the U.S., 91% of the seafood that we eat is imported.
0: Where is it coming from?
1: It's coming from all over the globe, but primarily Southeast Asia. That's the biggest producer they produce somewhere between 80 to 88% of the seafood worldwide, and then um, 60% of that seafood that's imported is produced in aquaculture. So we are really having an opportunity here to start producing some of that seafood in our country.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow.
0: And, and close that gap.
1: That's right. And we need to be doing that because as the chinese middle class is co- starting to consume more and more seafood the seafood that's being produced in asia is being consumed in asia
0: rather than being exported to us. that's
1: right yeah, and they, so
2: they need their seafood they yeah.
1: they are ready to purchase it and they eat seafood three meals a day so oh, you wow. can imagine Uh, the quantities that are required to meet that need yeah
2: are there any other um, I mean that's it seems like one of the most critical trends is that growing consumption and the need to make more of it here Um, are there any other things going on in the world that um, you think that more people should be aware of uh, in regards to seafood and aquaculture any other trends I guess
1: well I would just say that uh, seafood Production through aquaculture is growing every year. Fisheries is static. We are able to fish really well now, but we have figured out the maximum that can be taken. And in some cases, there's more being taken than should be. So that's not where we're going to get our increased seafood. But don't get me wrong. I am not saying that wild caught or fish seafood is bad. It's a wonderful product and I hope that it's always going to be a part of the seafood that's available in our local uh, restaurants and seafood markets. Is going to come from fisheries. And here in Florida, we have some really great wild fish product. We have pink shrimp, right? That's, yeah, yeah. Here in Florida, we do get a fair amount of of wild caught shrimp that's an excellent product. A lot of that's fish down in the Fort Myers area and comes in to- You can sometimes see the
0: trawlers is. right off our own coast here.
1: That's right. Yeah. And yeah. so that's a, a wonderful wild fishery product, but there is a limit as to how much product is available from yeah. that uh, resource. And you wouldn't be seeing those uh, shrimp on every single menu if it was all coming from wild fisheries. So aquaculture is increasing and we are going to see it become a bigger and bigger player as time goes on
0: is there a lot of shrimp aquacultured here in the u.s or is it all mainly coming from overseas
1: you know it used to be a bigger commodity here in the u.s and Uh, When I first started my career, we had farms in Hawaii and in Texas. Actually, the very first shrimp farms in the U.S. started in Florida, up in Panama City. Oh, really? And so uh, Florida was the the epicenter for shrimp culture development in the United States, South Carolina. You know, there were shrimp farms in all these different spots. But today, the uh, production has really Uh, shifted, and most of the larger farms have moved to Mexico or Central America. Um, We do still have farming, though. Here in Florida, we've got probably two or three small shrimp farms uh, where they are doing indoor recirculating shrimp production. So there is some shrimp farming going on in our state, but very low uh, volumes. Well,
0: why is that? Just because of labor costs or just costs overall?
1: Well, I think it's just been... um, the development of uh, larger production units in pond systems and the strict regulations that we have in our country in terms of environmental impacts. And so those pond culture systems do have impacts associated with them, and we're just not very tolerant to that, you know, and I understand well, that. Yeah.
0: We, we yeah, we appreciate our environment. We
1: do, yeah. especially look at here in Florida. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the big... Wonderful things about our state is all our beautiful coastal waters. And so these large pond systems often have uh, discharges that go into the water bodies, and that causes what we call eutrophication a whole mouthful of uh, (laughs) words that uh, refers to the fact that nutrients go into the water and algae um, increases in. Um, production. And so then that water turns green or brown. It's not that it's bad. It's just that it's different. And so it can have an impact that we aren't necessarily is not compatible with our environmental concerns. So that's why most of the farms in Florida today are using uh, land-based recirculating technology.
2: So in in a sort of perfect world, what advances would you like to see in Aquaculture science or industry, including maybe some of the ones that you're working on right now, what would you like to see happen in making aquaculture more widespread and sustainable?
1: Well, we've got to figure out ways to be able to produce products that are unique and meet our environmental concerns. And so, one of the projects that we've been working on in the last couple of years has been this integrated aquaculture system or aquaponics systems that we've been working on. And that is where you can produce multiple different seafood products in the same culture environment. Now, I don't mean in the same tank or pond, but all connected together. And that interlacing of the water system between the different commodity products that you're producing can allow you to produce more volume of product with less inputs. And what does that mean? That means that you can make it work better economically. And so that's been a shift in my thinking and also in the thinking of, a lot of people in the U.S. about where aquaculture could go. Hmm. And so I see that happening not only in land-based systems, but in ocean-based systems. And so there's this new, really cool ocean-based technology. It's called offshore aquaculture. And that's where you use these really large pens, and you're out many miles out in the ocean, depending on how deep the water is near your coast. And so if I was here in Sarasota, I'd have to be 40 or maybe 60 miles off, <laughs> off, yes. off, 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 off from the shore. Off shore. And yeah, then you put yeah. this pen out there and it has to be in somewhere between uh, 100 to 150 feet of water. So you have gotta oh go goodness. a ways to get there. Yeah. And But the neat thing about it is a lot of places where they're doing that fish production in those pens, they're also raising right next to the pens other products that use the nutrients produced by the fish. For example, they're growing seaweeds there, and that seaweed is absorbing and Getting fertilized with the nutrients from the fish, and then that's another product that you can then sell, sell into yeah. the marketplace. So you're doing two things at once.
2: You know, I've I've sort of discovered lately at shopping at um, sort of places like Whole Foods or other, you know, sort of eclectic food stores, just how many products have seaweed. They may be the seaweed themselves, or like kelp noodles, or all these variety of things. Or for something the, from the seaweed. Something with a yeah. seaweed ingredient in them. It's it's amazing, but. Mm-hmm. So is seaweed, seaweed's not the only plant, I'm guessing, in, in these systems. Uh.
1: No, in fact, the one that we've been working on for the last couple of years is something called sea purslane. And so that's a halophyte, which just means it's a sol- salt-tolerant land plant. And so uh, those halophytes can be grown hydroponically connected to the aquaculture system. And that's where that term aquaponics comes from. It's aquaculture uh. plus hydroponics so
0: you are really a farmer
1: i am yeah (laughs) in fact i produce those uh sea purslane bunches every single week and a local vendor sells it for us in the sarasota farmers market I've,
0: i've actually tried it and it's 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 a different taste and yeah. it's it's like not it. bad, yeah. It tastes peppery
2: like it. and a little bit of like blackberryness. <laughs> it's it's, it's oh, that's a, an
0: yeah. interesting it's, description. It's a very different taste, but it's very good.
2: And it's a salty sort of crunchy green, I think. Yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. You know, I put it in my salads all the time. I just think it really adds some nice flavor to the salads. Yes. But there are many recipes for sea parsley. In fact, I'm doing a recipe book right now, mm. and we have. 52 recipes already and we're just gathering them up and soon we're going to put that out. So that's going to be a really cool addition to uh, what we're trying to uh, convey to people about the opportunities to produce fish and produce vegetables all with the same nutrient source. And so if I get back to where I'm going, I'm I, what we're trying to do is move in the direction of increasing sustainability of those aquaculture systems, or increasing the environmental friendliness of them, and increase the economic feasibility of them. So that's the real key. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so have you seen like a, a bright spot or something that we're doing right with our habits, like in regards to seafood consumption? and kind of like the role that aquaculture takes in it?
1: Well, we definitely are eating more seafood in this country. Seafood consumption has been going up year by year. And so the reason is that doctors are telling people to eat more seafood.
2: And so for those out there who would like to um, eat a little more seafood, but make sure they're choosing the right source that is, Um, better for the environment, Um, where can they look? We know about Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch Guide. Is is that or others your favorites?
1: I think that that's a great guide for a starting place. I don't uh, necessarily agree with everything that they've said on their list. For example, I would say farm-raised salmon is a good product. Mm -hmm. Uh, In most cases, they will not say that, and they've got their reasons. They have their own criteria for how they do their rating. But that is a good starting place. And so the great thing about that is that app can take you to each one of the products. And they have one for the Southeast region. Mm. So it'll have many of the products that you know. And it'll take you to a link that'll tell you even more about that product. So that just gives you more information. And then the really important thing to do is to ask questions. And when you're eating dinner or ordering, you know. Where's this from? What is this White fish? What what kind of fish is that? You know, there's no such thing as white fish. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it is a lot of fish are white in color. And so, what where is it from? Um, If you go to the market, they actually have to say where it's from because we have country of origin Origin. labeling. It's called Cool, and that's that requires them to list where it's coming from. So if you have a choice. Choose U.S. farm-raised seafood, and I hope someday we're going to choose fresh from Florida farm-raised seafood.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been it's been great, and uh, we really do appreciate you coming out. Thank, All you. This way.
2: Yes. Thank you. Yes, and uh, if people ever want to try any of that um, that uh, perslane that you are growing, uh, where do they find that again?
1: Well, every Saturday at the farmers market there is a stand. It's called Nature's Partner, okay. and it's run by my friend Peter Burkhard, mm-hmm. and he. Takes the product from me. I actually deliver it to him every Friday afternoon, and he uh, puts it out there. And so go over and see Peter and get some purslane. Try it out.
0: Everybody try it. It's delicious.
2: Yeah, the downtown Sarasota Farmer's Market. All right.
0: Well, this has been a- another episode of Two Sea
2: Fans. It has a very good episode. So we will see you all in two weeks for another great episode. And until then, best fishes.